text today is 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 16. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Lord, as we study 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16, we ask for insight into our lives in relationship to the spirit you put in us, being sensitive to your Holy Spirit. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. The Christian life is totally and completely Holy Spirit dependent. There is no Christianity without the Holy Spirit. Uh, From Genesis at creation all the way through to Revelation and the end of time, we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This last week, we've had six scholars address Holy Spirit Vision 2020. Today, I'd like to give my take on this particular theme. Uh, I would like to look at it not so much as what you see, although that is a secondary emphasis. I would take a look at this theme based on what the Holy Spirit sees, Holy Spirit's vision. And uh, he will impart that vision to people, but... I'm interested in in the eyes of the Spirit. What is the Old Testament? Boy, I didn't think of that. Uh, Chronicles 23, maybe. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the land, looking for someone on whose behalf he can be strong. And so uh, the idea of this message is that the Holy Spirit has vision. The Holy Spirit can see. The Holy Spirit can think. The Holy Spirit has all of the qualities that we would call human. In fact, we are made in his image, in the image of God. He created male and female. And so you can think, therefore, we can deduct that the Spirit thinks. You can hear, you can see, you can speak. Therefore, we can deduce that the Spirit can hear, see, and speak as well. So everything God does in you and everything that he does in the world of today, he does through the Holy Spirit. For example, in salvation, the Bible tells us in the beginning of Ephesians that the Holy Spirit, when you are saved, God places the Holy Spirit in your life, the text says, as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. So are you saved today? If you are, the Holy Spirit has been deposited in your life and he is a guarantee of your inheritance. 
The Holy Spirit is the part of God by which you are guaranteed salvation. This is why theologians are so particular on being kind to the Holy Spirit. What is the unforgivable sin? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if there's no Holy Spirit, there's no salvation. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. And so if you uh, violate or chase away, as it were, the spirit of the living God, you chase away all hope of salvation. Someone like R.T. Kendall, a theologian that we enjoy around here, would say, the Holy Spirit is pictured as a beautiful dove. Remember in the waters of baptism, it says, and, a, and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. That's why R.T. Kendall would say, never chase away the Spirit. Don't offend the dove. Don't let the dove fly away. Because in fact, salvation is linked to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But not only do we have salvation with the Holy Spirit, we also have the empowerment for Christian living in the Holy Spirit. One guy, uh, uh, A.W. Tozer, said this way. He said, do you know anybody that met on the stage for their wedding? They shook hands, they kissed, and said, okay, that's it for the rest of our married life. He said, that's just crazy. Uh, The idea is that the kiss and the wedding ceremony is the beginning of a lifelong intimacy. And if you continue in this way, you will know each other better at the end of your life than you knew each other on your wedding day. That you want that growth. He said it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, when you are saved, you don't want to say, okay, we shook hands, we kissed, we're good now. See you at the end of my life. But in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you want to grow. You want to have further uh, closeness. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit's a little hard for men to uh, get a hold of uh, because They're more like uh, maybe romantic terms with the Spirit, and that's not the point. We're not trying to get you to romance the Spirit. You know, you can romance the stone, but you can't romance the Spirit. And uh, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about a growing, abiding, developing intimacy or a closeness with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, when we look at this art today, uh, we would look at this art through the eye. This is the organ God has given us for beauty in this way is the eye. I would be almost laughed off the stage if I said, my ear tells me that art is beautiful. You'd say, can't. Your ear was for the music. Your ear was for conversation. Your eye is for beauty. What we find in this passage is that especially Western people we try to use the wrong organ of our life with the Holy Spirit. We use our mind when, in fact, we should use our spirit. For example, if you go to the second page of your notes at the bottom of the second page, I say first there. The Bible tells us that God's Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, communicates with my spirit, small s. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Every time the Bible says soul, spirit, and body, it is in the order spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes Greek word acted a couple of my matter, and sometimes Greek word order does matter. So I contacted a couple of my scholar buddies, and I said, does it matter that in the New Testament, spirit is always before soul and body? They said, absolutely, word order matters in this passage. The authors are trying to say, you are mostly spirit, soul, and body. Whereas, uh, I just got a report, I did an executive physical, I got about 30 page report, my EKGs and my blood work and my lung work, I mean I did every test known to man, and uh, they gave me like 10 things I need to work on, and, and I'm planning to work on all of those at my Planet Fitness, any Planet Fitness guys in the house? Yeah, no condemnation baloney, that's on the wall, but it ain't true. You go in there next to those athletes, you feel condemned, right? <laughs> but if I'm not careful... I will spend planet fitness time and not planet prayer. Because if I'm not careful, I will let my body be exalted as more important than my spirit. Now, you can tell I'm not quite in that time zone. You know, I'm not, I've never really like been buff or in great physical shape. I've always been healthy, but I've never been like trying to be a great athletic. For me, it was my mind. I, 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 like my, I like to think, and I'm sure you like to think. I like to, one of my favorite verses, uh, Isaiah 1, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Let's think about this. You got some sin going on, he says, and if we'll think about it, I can help you. Though your sin be like crimson, it shall be white as wool, is the passage that I'm referring to. And so while we think about our culture, uh, when you're saved, when you come to Christ, What's the thing that most churches want you to do right away? Take a class. Because we're prone to thinking that when you're saved, the first thing you need to do is train your brain, which I'm not arguing against. I'm just arguing that that's not the biggest part of you. The biggest part of you is not training your brain. So uh, some of you would know this is true. Theologians, huge theologians who don't know God. They have a big brain. But their spirit, one of the famous ones, Karl Barth. Karl Barth is considered to be one of the great theologians of our day out of Germany. He lived his entire uh, uh, last, I think it was 20 years of his life. His wife and his lover lived in the same house with him. And so here's a guy, great brain, small spirit. And when we take a look at this spirit vision we realize that sometimes God will speak to our body. He will speak to our brain, but he will also speak to our spirit. And that what we actually want to emphasize is developing a growing spirit, a developing spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. 1 Corinthians 3 is arguing, and I don't know the condition of the two guys I'm going to mention, but let's use Albert Einstein, considered to be one of the greatest intellects of our time. One of the greatest intellects, especially in the area of physics, especially in the area of science. 
This is tremendous. The world is better because of Einstein's brain. I wonder if he developed his spirit equally to his brain. Stephen Hawking, considered the greatest astrophysicist of our time, just passed away recently, if I understand correctly. He, he wrote a great book I read called A Brief History of Time. I just love the title, Brief History Time, three words that kind of twist your brain just in the title. In that book, he actually proved that if matter is moving forward in time, antimatter is moving backwards in time. Very fascinating concept that time is going both ways, uh, depending on how you understand science. What a great, great brain. What a great development of his mind. I wonder if he took time to say, you know what? The most important part of me is my spirit. I don't know. His wife was Catholic. I know that she witnessed to him regularly. I don't know the outcome, but I know that the Bible is saying, you are a spirit. And we want to take classes, and we want to learn, and we want to develop, and we want these things in our lives. At the same time, we want to have spirits that are growing. I haven't heard this for quite a few years. Maybe it's out of vogue. Maybe it's out of, out of the, the flow. But when I was younger, I'd hear people say of someone, they'd say, uh, Sarah, oh, she's a beautiful spirit. Because you could recognize that there was a beautiful spirit inside this person. The Bible ends in Revelation, in Revelation 2 and 3, it lists seven churches, the seven churches of Asia. I've been to all seven. They're in Turkey. And let's do a church trip to Turkey and go visit seven churches. All in favor say aye. Let's go. He says to all seven churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you have an ear, say aye. aye. That's not what he's talking about. Because obviously everybody has ears. He's not saying if you have ears, hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. He's saying if your spirit has ears, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. Did you, were you ever lost without Jesus? Yes, you were. I don't know if you knew that. Revelation. Anyway, and someone told you about Jesus and it's like, didn't make any sense? It's like... What are you talking about? This guy a long time ago died and they, they hated him, so they killed him. And something like God did it to him too. And, he, and, and, and you're just like, I don't get it. Because the Bible teaches us that it's when the Holy Spirit, capital S, communicates to the human Jesus is. At a deep level, your spirit understands the mystery of who Jesus is. And what a beautiful day it is for us to understand. It says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. And so there's a whole nother level for your life when your spirit begins to understand the things of God. And that the things of God are no longer folly, uh, foolishness. Folly is sort of related to uh, vanity, which is related to vapor. So it's sort of like the, the things of God are sort of, of craziness to you or they don't make sense. That's what happens to the mind that has not yet experienced a spirit that is made alive by the Holy Spirit. Number two on page one, it says the spirit's wisdom is secret and hidden from the natural mind. The Spirit's wisdom is secret and hidden from the natural mind. Verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. A secret and hidden wisdom of God. 
the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit, it speaks to your spirit. He doesn't speak to my spirit when he's talking to your spirit. When he's talking to you, and that's what I love about this kind of church. I'm up here talking, and the Holy Spirit will turn it into about a thousand different messages to a thousand different spirits. And people will come and say, you were preaching right at me. I go, I was? What was I saying? And they'll name something I didn't even know I was talking about. But the Holy Spirit takes a message and the capital S spirit applies it to the human spirit and makes it powerful. It's a wisdom that is secret and is hidden. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91. In other words, there's a place in God, there's a place for you in the Holy Spirit where you commune spirit to spirit. It's this, it's this closeness, it's this, this beautiful thing. And, and Tracy, I'll give a short version of her testimony that she'll share in Thailand. Most of her life, she knew abuse. Most of her life, she knew addiction and, and violation of her as a human being. And as she became a devout follower of Christ, she began to hear the Holy Spirit speak past her mind of experiences of abuse. And she heard the Holy Spirit speak to her spirit, you're my precious daughter. Right to her spirit. And that talk to your spirit by God is incredible. Amen. Amen. I'll never forget the day after my father sort of left and kind of ended the relationship in an abrupt way. Daniel was with me, and my dad said, let's call it good. I said, it's good. He said, no, uh, I don't want to see you again. He said, uh, uh, if you need to talk, have your secretary call mine. And Daniel, we went up to the hotel room, and Daniel goes, Dad? He was a little boy. I think Grandpa broke up with us. And uh it rattled me. I said, I said, Daniel, I think Grandpa broke up with us. I think he did. And he goes, that's okay, Daddy. We don't need a Grandpa. And here's a little six-year-old boy trying to build his dad up, right? I'll never forget the day when the Holy Spirit spoke to my spirit. I'll be your dad now. It went past my brain. It went past all the external things. And it went spirit of God to spirit of kin. And it's a secret. And you would never know it if I didn't tell you. Because it's something between me and God. And you have those things when your spirit is growing, when your spirit is in relationship with God, and you're saying, I know you see things, Holy Spirit. Communicate it to my spirit. Have you ever been in a place where everything was right, but your spirit didn't feel right? Your spirit picked up on it. It perceived. You know what? Something here isn't exactly the way it should be. And and your spirit picked up on that. That's the spirit communicating to your spirit. So the spirit's wisdom is secret and hidden from the natural mind. So believe it or not, uh, our culture really resists this concept. And I, I, I try to preach it fairly often. Kent, if you will explain the gospel to me so I can understand it, then I'll believe. The problem is it becomes understandable when you believe. And so my buddies in academia, they say, you want me to believe something I don't understand? Yeah. 
Because it's when you begin to believe that you start that relationship between your spirit and God's spirit, and now what you believe can actually begin to take shape and can begin to be understandable. Jesus said, blessed are those who have seen and believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Number three on page two, the wisdom is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Check this out. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. What an amazing concept. He goes on to say, uh, do, who knows the spirit of Kent? Who knows the spirit of Kent? Well, only Kent. It says here that uh, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? My spirit knows my spirit. And so when we take communion, it says, therefore, let a man examine himself. So every woman, every man, when you take the bread and the cup in just a little while, you're, you're, you're intended to examine your spirit. Lord, here I am about to receive the body and blood, and I want to do so having examined my spirit. This passage says the Holy Spirit examines God. Listen, these things God revealed to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The depth is communicating to your spirit, the spirit that's searching the depths of God. What is available to my spirit through the Holy Spirit who knows the depths of God? Well, you think he ever gets done with that? No, because God and the Spirit and the Son are infinite. And so he's even currently searching the depths of God. Number four, in the middle of page two, this is not the spirit of wisdom of the world, but the spirit from God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. In other words, this wisdom, this spirit wisdom is a gift from God through the Holy Spirit. And the fact is, it helps us, this wisdom of the Spirit, helps us understand the freely given gifts of God to me. In other words, I could live my whole life and not know that God has given me a bunch of stuff. Not knowing that he's given me power in the Spirit. Not knowing that he's given me joy in the Lord. Not knowing that he's given me peace that passes understanding. Not knowing that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Not knowing that I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I have been adopted into his family and I'm a joint heir, a co-heir with Jesus. I might, not, I might read it but never know it in my spirit. But this passage says that we've not received this from the world. We received it from God, and now we can understand the things freely given us by God. I know the answer to this question, so don't reply. Are any of us living up to everything that God offers us in his spirit? No, but that's why he is in our lives, because he, he raises the bar for us, as it were, as we go through this growth in our spirit. Number five, there is a maturing in the relationship between the spirit and, and the spirit. I wanted you to be able to see today that the Holy Spirit talking to my spirit actually is, is in a maturing process for me. 
Verse 6, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Among the mature, we do impart wisdom. So when you're looking at your spirit and you're looking at the Holy Spirit, a great question to ask yourself, is my spirit maturing? Do I have a maturing spirit? Do I have a spirit that is growing? Do I, do I have a spirit that is more sensitive to God than my spirit was yesterday? Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Would, wouldn't wisdom be dangerous in the hands of the immature? It would be very dangerous to have wisdom and be immature. And so part of the idea of planet fitness that I'm talking about and planet prayer or planet praise or planet spirit is the idea that we want to have a maturing inner being. We want to have an in, uh, expanding interior life. If you were in a Catholic theological setting, they would call it your interiority. And your interiority. We want your spirit to be maturing. We want your spirit to be maturing in the sense of, I'm beginning, Lord, to see what your spirit sees. I'm beginning to have the emotions that the spirit has. A very mature friend of mine, spiritually mature, uh, was at the Holy Spirit conference when this person received bad medical news. I said, come on into my office. And in my office, we cried together with bad medical news. It took just a moment because he's got a very mature spirit. And for an hour or two or day or two, it took his legs out from under him. My body isn't the way I want my body to be. But then it shifted to, you know what? I'm mostly a spirit, and my spirit is doing well in God, and it is well with my soul. And so, so let the storm rage high, the dark clouds rise. They don't worry me because my spirit is solid. And I saw him a few days after that Holy Spirit conference, and he's rock solid again. He still has the same medical diagnosis. But he shifted back over into his maturing spirit. In my life, mature spirits help me a lot. I don't know how it rolls for you. Uh, I use my mom as an illustration. Uh, I invest some of my, my mom has a little bit of money, not a lot, and I invest it for her. And, uh, and so I study all this stuff. And she called me like a year ago or so, and she said, son, uh, buy gold. I said, you know, gold's not a good investment, Mom, and uh, I don't really recommend it. She goes, okay, son, if you don't think so, you're my son. So I didn't buy gold. She called back like a week later, and she said, son, buy gold. I said, Mom, same talk as last week. She said, different answer. I prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit put on my heart to buy gold. I don't know why, but son, we have to obey the Holy Spirit. It's gone up and up and up and up and up. That's, that's secondary to the fact that someone with a mature spirit was willing to make decisions. So I'll call my mom. I'll say, Mom, you know what? Life stinks. It's hard. I got to bail or whatever. It's difficult. She'll say, tell me about it. I'll tell her about it. She goes, it is low. Life is tough. It does stink. It is difficult. See you later. Boom. And then invariably, she'll call me back a day or two or a week or two or whatever. 
And she usually says something like this. You know, son, I, I've been in prayer over what we talked about. And uh, I just want you to know, mature spirit, it's going to be okay. And when it's going to be okay comes from a mature spirit to my spirit, I rest in that. I rest in that. And when it comes directly from the Holy Spirit, it's even more restful. When the spirit of the living God steps in and speaks something to your spirit that is a secret, it's just between you and he, and, and it makes no sense to the natural mind. Why would I do this? It makes no sense in any way, shape, or form, but the Lord has spoken to your spirit. Praise God. I want to close with three things that I think will help us with our spirits. They're quite uh, normal or quite simple but super important. Because this year, I have set my goal on being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And you have to pray for me. Like I'm going to Thailand at four o'clock, right? And uh, uh, I'm going to be there a long time. Next Sunday, I'm preaching the funeral of our general superintendent of Thailand, uh, Weir Chai Kowe. The week after that, we're preaching at a, a church in uh, Chiang Rai. The week after that, preaching at the Assembly of God headquarters in Bangkok. And, uh, and I worked hard to get my aisle seat. Don't be planning, not planning to fly and then go, oh, could I have your seat, please? The answer is no. All right? I worked hard to get this seat I have. But then I got this crazy idea. Lord, why don't you just put me in the seat you want me in? I want to be sensitive, Lord. And like, I, I really want to be sensitive, Lord. The seat you want me in, upgraded, please. And uh, uh, what if, it's the, what if it's the dreaded seat? What's the dreaded seat on a long flight? The one by the bathroom. 300 people have to go for 14 hours. You know, it, uh, you can just, I was going to mention smells and things. We won't. It's just a terrible seat. But Holy Spirit, if I'm sensitive to you, Lord, would you put me in the seat you want me in? I want to be, be sensitive to you. A uh, lady years ago, we had a boy injured in our gym. It was the worst injury I've personally ever seen myself at a church. And uh, I won't go into details. For those of us with PTSD, details aren't good. But it was an ugly, ugly scene on our gym floor. I was driving down the road. I saw ambulances and, and police cars and fire trucks at our church. And I pulled in on a Saturday. And it was a Royal Ranger event. This little boy was hurt. And uh, I walk in, and the paramedic said, we lost him. And so here's a little boy who died on our gym floor. And I'm like 26-year-old young pastor. It's freaking me out. They throw him in the ambulance. They go to a regional hospital as quick as they can. And the MCA, you know, every church needs a bizarre woman. You know what I'm saying? That's just the way churches roll. She beat me to the emergency room. Sonia Stamm. And uh, so we're all in there crying. A little boy has died. And she stands up in the middle of the emergency room and screams. My brain is not liking this. He shall not die but live. And be home for his birthday. So I'm sitting by, the boy's name was Jory. I'm sitting by Jory's mom. I go, when's his birthday? She goes, oh, next Saturday. So we got a dead kid. A lady screaming in a public emergency room and a birthday next Saturday. My brain did not go there. But you know what? 
he was home the next Saturday for his birthday. Yeah, he was. My spirit wasn't quite dialed in yet that sometimes, just maybe, it takes a crazy woman to proclaim the word of God in an emergency room. I'll tell you this, Jory Bell is more thankful for her than he is for me. You see what I'm saying? I want to be sensitive, Holy Spirit. Okay, spit in the mud, put it in somebody's eyes. I don't want to be that sensitive, you know? I, you know, we have attorneys around here. I need a, a mud attorney, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I tell you what, just, I know we don't have enough food for everybody, but just keep making bread and we'll watch that cruise of oil go unfailing like it did for the Old Testament prophet. And I want to be sensitive. I want to be sensitive. Number one, I set my mind on the things of the Spirit. That's what helps me be sensitive. It says in Romans 8, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And so I'm trying to do that. I need your help, actually. Keep pushing me. Kent, is your mind on the things of the Spirit? And, you know, back to personal stuff. Just me and God. You're you and God. I said, God, I want to be sensitive to your spirit. I want Sundays to be powerful in God. He said, all right, how about no football on Sundays? I said, that's easy. No, it wasn't. But he's saying, Kent, for me, not for you, go whoever's playing. I predict Kansas City in the Super Bowl, and I hope they make it. All right? But here's the deal. He said, Kent, for you to do what I'm calling you to do, you need to set your mind on the things of the spirit all day Sunday. All day Sunday. He's going to tell, call you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And I, just let me get a push in here. The world knows that this is your power. So all of the tension of the world is focused on the wrong spirit. Watch, Just watch a movie and see if there's not a false spirit in that movie. Just see if there's not an idol in that movie. See if there's not a little sorcery in that movie. Sorcery is a gateway to the occult like alcohol is to you. And so you just go, you know what, God? I want to be sensitive to you. So I got to set my mind on the things of the spirit. I got to be spirit-minded 24-7, 365. Help me be spirit-minded. Number two, I asked that I would regularly pray that God would keep my spirit sensitive. It says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. One guy I studied, he said, you know, people want to have a sensitive spirit so they can write books and sell them. So they can write the next cool album and sell and make millions. And they want to have the gift of the spirit so they can be on TV and do televangelist stuff. He said, no, the right... The right reason to say, God, I'm asking you to give me a sensitive spirit is just because you love the spirit. Not for personal gain, not for acclaim, not for power. Just to say, God, the thought of your spirit not being with me is more than I can take. So give me a sensitive spirit. I can't get that from a counselor. I can't get that from you. I can only get it from the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to give me a sensitive spirit.
Number three, I think sensitivity to the Spirit is developed when I regularly pray in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. How does that happen? It happens because your brain is over here with your mouth talking about your work. Your spirit's over here talking to God, and you're having two conversations at the same time. Do you ever hang out with mature spirit people, and you can't tell? Underneath their breath, they're saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They're over here like solving world crisis or whatever in the brain and in their voice, but in their spirit, it's unbroken communion with God. Jude 1.20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So some people have a hard time with this, and let me just sort of give my take on it. You know, every cell in your body thinks. If I were to say to you, what part do you think, you'd probably say your brain. But in fact, that's, not, that's just the smallest part of you that thinks. Your brain is a small, your brain is the consistency of butter. This is why all brain scholars are saying, please don't play football. Uh, your brain is the consistency of butter and a good rattle and you've damaged your brain. But they found out that every cell in your body thinks. And we're not surprised, are we? Because the word of the Lord is, as a man thinketh in his heart. So they began to dial in on this in their studies when they began to do heart transplants about 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And here's a 20-year-old here's a kid that uh, needs a heart transplant. He's a heavy metal, rock and roll, kind of anti-establishment guy. Some 48-year-old, classical, music-loving professor dies. They put the heart in the 20-year-old. He wakes up with the personality of the 48-year-old. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If I hit my finger with a hammer right now, how long till that fingernail tells this brain, Ow! Because my finger can talk. Ow! You cut yourself, that cell tells that brain to send antibodies to that part. When you cut your finger, the antibodies don't go to your toe. Because your brain said antibodies go there. Because your cells are thinking and can communicate. So if your body, which is less important than your spirit, can talk, surely your spirit can talk too. I don't, know, I don't know how to say it. It's going to sound really weird. But while I'm standing here, I can almost weep my way through this thing because my spirit is talking to God. It's just happening right now. People say, oh, no, I don't believe your spirit can talk. I, I think that spirit talk thing is weird. I think a spirit that can't talk isn't fully developed yet. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me, I am his own. What's the Holy Spirit doing right now? Anybody know? I do. He's interceding for you. That's what the Bible says. He ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. With groans that cannot be uttered. 
If you could dial in right now and hear the Holy Spirit. Spirit is before the living God saying, God, I'm thinking of Kent. And he begins to intercede for me with groans that he can't, that don't even fit into words. With groans that cannot be uttered. I had a busy Thursday morning at 12.30 in the morning. I took Joe to the airport at 3.30. I took the Alexanders at 4.30. I took Jason at 6.30 in the morning. I took Bishop uh, Witherspoon to the airport and I jump out of the car for the last ride and a, a girl from formerly from Muldoon Assembly who lived a very sinful life came to my office years ago and she said, Pastor Ken, I just need help with this thing. I said, you know what, sis? You're in sin. And you know what, God, just repenting is going to make it so much better. She goes, well, that's where we disagree. I don't believe in sin. I don't believe that premarital sex, I don't believe that my lifestyle is sinful at all. I don't believe in sin. I hadn't seen her for all these years. She said, hi. Jumped out of the car behind me. And I said, hi. She said, hi. And I felt a groan in here that cannot be uttered for her. She's good. She's happy. But I don't think she has a strong spirit. And so, I want you to be able to say, I hear the spirit and he's pleased. I hear him praying for me with groans that cannot be uttered. I hear him caring for me. As you go to get the bread and the cup, I'd like you to be thinking about how can I be sensitive to the spirit that makes this bread and this juice meaningful on this day in January? How can I be sensitive to the spirit of God that loves me and that calls me to his son? Let's go and receive communion.